Free Talk Live. Open phones as always. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Aria. We've got some, as usual, ridiculous news to share with you here tonight. Uh, And then coming up, some state representatives who do not favor independence have spoken out. We will share with you what they have to say. Yeah, because their comments are priceless. They are pretty also ridiculous. So we got a lot of ridiculousness here uh, tonight. And uh, again, Ian and Aria in the studio. Phones open as always. But to start out with... It's warmed up a little bit here in uh, the southwestern corner of New Hampshire today. I mean, yesterday there was a snowstorm, maybe about 6 inches or 12 inches or something, depending on how your elevation fell. Uh, so obviously it was you know below freezing for that. And uh, and prior to that, a few days ago, it was like negative 8 at one point in the night. It's nighttime. been in the negatives a lot this uh, this winter. Yeah, a couple few, I mean, maybe two or three times. It hasn't been a whole lot. I just remember the first winter I moved here, it was... It, it hit negative numbers like once or twice, maybe mm-hmm. three times. But here it's like you get a whole week where it's negative temperatures. That hasn't happened yet. It was three or four days in a row. And we've got several yeah. more coming up this yeah. weekend. So it hasn't been a whole day. Usually but... you got to wait till February for the negatives or at least late January. But yeah, it's a little bit different this year. But that's how it always is. I didn't want to give a weather report so much as just say it's cold up here. Uh, and, you know, warm today was 36 degrees. Right. So it was warm enough to where, you know. Snow was melting. There was some slush around. And so I imagine Boston is probably pretty similar as far as its temperature is concerned. Maybe a little more moderate since it's right by the sea. Uh, but it's I'm just going to say it's probably pretty darn cold in Boston as well. I would imagine uh, so. I and- mean, when I think about Boston and winter, I don't think about, you know, like California or San Diego or something. Yeah. I think about something along the lines of, you know, Boston in winter. Yeah, today apparently... It was like 37 degrees, so very similar. About uh, like King then. Yeah, very similar to uh, what it was here. Uh, Later this week, Boston will be experiencing 29-degree highs, 45-degree highs, 35-degree, and on Friday, 22. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is because they now have an open window requirement in Boston schools, in Boston school classrooms. So I I know why, but is it because of COVID-19? Of course it is. So they're going to torture children by forcing them to be in a classroom with an open window in January. That's right. In Boston. That's right. In order to prevent them. Isn't this how people catch pneumonia? Or uh, you know, one of the ways that helps them to catch pneumonia? You know what? I don't know a whole lot about pneumonia. I think you have to be wet for that to happen, but I could be wrong. I, I, don't quote me on that. I'm certainly not a doctor. If you know a thing or two about pneumonia, you're welcome to give us a call here. But generally, you know, mom doesn't want you to stay out in the cold too long, right? Like, you can go out if you're properly dressed for it, but you probably shouldn't be spending eight hours in the cold unless you're moving around, right? Like, if you're if you're out skiing or if you're sure. climbing a mountain, like, if you, if you go out and you work out in the cold, then you're going to be taking clothes off because you're just going to get so hot you'll be sweating like crazy. I mean, anybody that's done winter sports or climbed a mountain in the wintertime knows this. But sitting in a classroom is not physical activity. That is going to be quite uncomfortable for eight nine however many hours are in the school day uh according it's going to be significantly worse for the children who are actually like next to the window as well yes that's right 
Uh, so who who's the bad kid that we're going to torture by putting them beside the open window today? Students and teachers, according to BostonHerald.com in a report written a few days ago, will have to bundle up in their classrooms because of a Boston public school mandate that windows be kept open four inches to reduce the risk of COVID transmission. Now, I'm not sure how exactly they're going about expecting this is going to reduce any risk of COVID transmission. Why would it be? I assume it's just air ventilation. That's clearly what it's it's going to do. It is absolutely going to let all of the hot air out of the room. <laughs> it seems but, like it would be cheaper, you know, in the terms of letting all that heat out to just install better ventilation systems. Yeah, I'm not an expert. I'm not either, but I'm just going to say if you're in close proximity with other human beings, you're going to likely transmit things to and from them. I mean, that's just... Whether the window's open or not, I don't think is going to really make that big of a big of a difference. Well, COVID's like hot air. It rises, so it'll just rush out that window, I guess. is I don't know what no, they're thinking, that dude. that doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> uh, but here's what they had to say. Good morning, families. One school wrote to parents before their children headed off to class. Quote, it is still very cold. Remember, the windows in our classrooms have to be open. I suggest layering your child's clothes, two pairs of pants, two shirts, and a sweater, two pairs of socks, etc., plus all their outerwear, hat, glove, scarf, etc. So they literally are telling people that it is going to be freezing cold in these classrooms. I'm. Are they also turning off the heat at the same time? You know, since if they had the heat on, it's just basically going to be pouring money out the windows, right? Like, although it would temper Why not the, just have the classes outside at that point? Yeah, I mean, it would temper the, cl- the climate indoors somewhat if the heat was on. Maybe it wouldn't be freezing cold. I mean, they ultimately have to heat the building somewhat in order to keep the pipes from, uh, from bursting, likely. So it would be interesting to, to find out from someone, some poor child who's in the government school system in Boston who brought a thermometer to class and just tell us how cold it really is in there because I'm, i would not want to have my window open uh four inches around the clock no. for eight hours i mean it's one thing if you take a dump in the bathroom and you you know crack open the window for 30 minutes or 15 minutes it's not going to be the end of the world but eight hours eight in, hours is intense in every room in the house right now we're just i mean this isn't just one classroom every classroom has to have this says every window in this article, but the the photo they're showing here is somebody took a picture uh, from the Boston Herald of a government high school, it looks like, or some school, and you can see the two windows on the side of... There's three windows in the photo. Only one of the three is, is cracked open four inches. So maybe it's not required that every single window be open, but regardless, this is nuts. That and, is insane. Is, has there been any negative pushback to this? Well, the advice has angered some parents. Uh, one parent tweeted out, quote, These are the notifications I get from a Boston public school in the 21st century. I hate this so much. How is my four-year-old concentrate on learning, trying to keep warm? An adult has trouble in the cold. These kids are enduring so much. Well, here's a solution for you. Pull your kids out of the government school. That's an easy solution as well. I mean, how much worse? I did not see this coming. When did public schooling start at the age of four? Uh, It's probably some sort of preschool or or maybe maybe they're old enough to qualify for kindergarten at four. How are they supposed to write while holding mittens and, I mean, while wearing (laughs) mittens and gloves and stuff in the first place, right? It's absurd. 
There, there's no way any learn. Just, just stop the nonsense and send them yeah. back home to do the Zoom classes or whatever. At yeah. least then the kids can be warm. Yeah. It's crazy. At Wednesday night's, uh, Wednesday night's school committee meeting, Samantha Laney, teacher at Holmes Elementary School in Dorchester, said she and her students have to keep their coats on in class because the windows are required to be open to circulate the air. She also said schools need COVID tests, quote, right away, unquote, and need more social workers, not only for students, but for teachers who are, quote, burned all the way out, she said. Well, it might help if they didn't have to open their windows. Mary Dabinga, a Boston Latin Academy teacher, told the school committee she started her day on a bus crowded with students with no social distancing because many school bus drivers aren't coming to work. She arrived in her 55-degree classroom where she has two students with sickle cell anemia, one of the diseases that put people at greater risk of not only contracting COVID but also dying. Well, So that answers the question. They are turning the heat on mm-hmm. still. But it's you can't pumping it right out the window. Yeah, fifty-five degrees in there. Your kids aren't learning anything. Eight hours a day in fifty-five degree temperatures. It's that's crazy. I tried this by Conan the way. Conan would when, say that's nothing. No, I know. And and <laughs> when I moved here to New Hampshire, I was you know on a, a super you know cheap kind of budget situation, sure. and I didn't want to uh, spend as much on and on heat. And so I tried living below sixty degrees in this house, and like. I started to get some sort of a condition in my hand that was like swelling up and it was not good at all. As soon as I turned the heat up to, you know, closer to 70, that problem went away. So well, that's good at least. Yeah. They're worried about people catching COVID. There's going to be some other health problems that come from sitting in 55 degree temperatures around the clock. Uh, there's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Phones are open. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. How would you like to work in 55-degree temperatures for eight hours a day? Now, I mean, I understand there's some hard-working people out there who work outdoors in the wintertime, and I am grateful for those people. But they've chosen that for themselves, right? Like, if you've chosen to be in construction, uh, during the winter time, or you're like one of those sign holding people on the side of the road at a you know construction site or whatever, you know you decided that you're going to accept the risks sure. of freezing and potential hypothermia, losing body parts because of lack of circulation, and maybe you're really. Well, good I assume outside. they bundle up really, really well. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you get the hot hands or whatever, or some sort of a some sort of a hand heater, or you know, or maybe you've got really good circulation and you got no problem uh, whatsoever, like the you know the Iceman uh, over in Norway, the guy that can stand outside with uh, you know just nothing but a pair of boxers on and go take baths in the public park. Uh, like in we the call those of people mentally ill here. <laughs> uh, you know, I have not heard of this guy. Yeah, you have. We talked have about it. Yeah, we talked about him a few weeks ago. Is this the Wim Hof guy? Yeah, Wim Hof. Okay. That's, his, that's his name. His okay. name's Wim Hof. Um, but, you know, so I, I think there is something to be said for being able to acclimate yourself to that. But that, again, is a choice that you have to make for yourself. These kids in these Boston schools that now have to sit in classrooms with open windows, they didn't make this choice. They are being forced into this situation because their parents are, I guess they Cowards. just don't care enough, right? Like their parents are, 
you you're calling them cowards uh, cowards maybe some of them are cowards i mean is it fear is the reason why parents don't take their kids from government school is that why what to an extent, I mean, in Massachusetts, it, it may be more difficult to pull your kids out of public school than Could in be. other places. I don't know, but it it's a, a cowardice about changing their lives mm-hmm. to not be reliant upon government in the first place, right? Sure. That's where the cowardice comes in. Is that They could make changes to become more independent, to not have to be at work, you know, 12 hours a day, six days a week or whatever, actually spend time with their kids or, you know, to make the responsible choice and not have children if you don't have, you know eight hours a day to dedicate to them as most people don't, which is why most people shouldn't have kids, but they don't care. And they did anyway, because that's just what people are supposed to do. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. People are definitely afraid of change and going from a situation in which someone just takes care of your kids for eight hours a day, which is the government school situation, the glorified daycare. Yeah. To a situation in which you have to make choices for your kids, educational, you know, future, that is a bit of a change, right? Like that actually requires some level of responsibility. And that, that probably does scare them as well. Thinking, yeah. you know, they probably feel like they're not qualified for this. It's like, well, okay, you feel like you're not qualified to educate and raise your child. Why did you have one? Well, that, but also what makes you think that these people at this government school are somehow so brilliant? I mean, they're they're sitting there with the windows open in class. <laughs> True. They they do seem to be pretty incompetent. Doesn't seem real smart to me, but we're going to continue. Your thoughts are welcome here if you want to join us. As uh, Jesus the Cynic points out in our Twitch chat room, he says, Boston taxes will go up because of the extra operational costs to heat the buildings. And he's absolutely right about that. The story over at the Boston Herald about this says that uh, Boston Public Schools spokes bureaucrat said regarding the open window mandate that temperatures in school buildings have been adjusted to 76 degrees so they have turned up uh the heat quite a bit they say to help combat the required window ventilation just shut the stupid window (laughs) that is the most government thing ever though okay we don't know what to do so we're going to mandate all of these windows have to be open in the middle Mm -hmm. of january oh no children are freezing to death let's turn up the heat to counter and now when the bill gets too high, they're going to have to raise taxes sure to pay for that nonsense. I mean, I'm just going to guess they probably had it at around 68, 70 degrees because, I mean, you got a bunch of kids in a classroom. They're going to heat the classroom up to some extent. 70 is a pretty standard, you know, good temperature to uh, to heat to. I'm just guessing. So I'm guessing they raised it at least six degrees, if not more. In that case, I don't know what they would have had it set at. Bitcoin.com, by the way, the best source for learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. You can go there, click Get Started at the top of the page, learn about the basics of cryptocurrency. Right now, Bitcoin is uh, at a lower price than it was a couple months ago. It had peaked up to around $68,000 per coin, and it is now around forty two, forty three thousand. dollars 43000 So, still might be a good opportunity to jump into this thing, uh, but you really ought to learn the basics first. So head over to Bitcoin.com, click Get Started. You can watch some introductory videos there. That's Bitcoin.com. And they do have their their news site, which is news.bitcoin.com. So if you're not new to crypto and you want to get the latest news headlines, get over to news.bitcoin.com. This story is just so amazing to me. I mean, you, we've all heard the saying about government breaking your leg and then handing you a crutch and then saying, oh, well, see, thank goodness for me, you can walk. That's exactly what this is. Opening the window, causing a problem, creating a problem, and then having to do something else that's equally stupid in order to fix that problem and say, hey, look, we tried. We turned the heat up to 76. 
We did everything we could. Well, as you pointed out, who gets to sit next to the open window as well? Like, even if the heat's been turned up, it's still going to be uncomfortable there. And remember, 76 is just what they've put the thermostat at to try to come, they say, combat. Uh, One of these teachers said it was a 55-degree classroom. So what's the reality, right? Like, there's the public statements that the Boston school public school bureaucracy is saying, oh, no, no, we said it's 76. But what's the real temperature in the classroom? And, uh, and again, look, if you care about your kids, you should have had them out of the government schools before 2020. But 2020 should have been like the heads up, okay, now it's really time to go. And if you still kept them in throughout all of this, you now they're going to freeze your kids out in the school classrooms. Like, how much more abuse can your kids take? How much more until you finally say, you know what? I'm going to actually spend some time on my own kids and figure out what to do and get them out of this system. I imagine both of these statements about the temperature are true, mm-hmm. depending on what the outside temperature is. On on a day like today, of course, schools were closed today, so kids couldn't benefit with 35 to 40 degrees outside. 76 degree heat probably could have kept the room reasonably comfortable. Maybe. But when it was, you know, three degrees or a high of nine <laughs> degrees, right. no, the, the temperature would have been probably in the low 50s or upper 40s. Well, plus there. those heaters must be on constantly, right? Like if you're... Do they close the windows at night? I would... I'm sh- well, I'm not going to say I'm sure. I would hope <laughs> that they do. But, I mean, as far as during their operating hours, when the kids are there, which is at least eight hours a day, that heater's got to just be constantly cranking. I mean, if you open every single window in your house, even four inches... The heater cannot reach its desired temperature, right? Like, it's just going to keep on going because it's never going to get to where it's supposed to go. No, it can't. Too much of the heat is seeping out through the open windows. Anyway, if you want to weigh in here, 603-283-6160 is the number. That's not the only insane school-related story that we've got. Uh, Here's another one. This one is actually from New Hampshire, but it's being reported by the Boston Globe. Uh, Written by Erica Cohen who is apparently the chairperson of the school board in Derry, New Hampshire. That's a town that's, I guess, kind of near Manchester. Uh, subheadline, police presence, threats of violence, open hostility. What happens to our schools if rancor overtakes our capacity to peaceably disagree? Okay, so this is like threats of violence, like Sununu had threats of violence against some sort of thing, I'm assuming? We'll see. Uh, so it's, it's sort of like an opinion editorial by this person who is... Sounds like she's getting too scared to actually be on her school board. And in my opinion, that's a good thing. We'll talk about it on the way here and how it all happened. This is Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up, we've got uh, the opinions of some of the people who are against the idea of independence. Because it's hard to get them to talk sometimes. As they feel like they don't have to really 
spend much time defending the status quo because they're pretty certain it's going to stay that way. So why bother coming? I think they're wrong. I hope you're right about that, Aria. We're going to get into it. It's Ian and Aria in the studio tonight. But first, we're still talking about some uh, government school-related stuff. In Boston, apparently, they are requiring people keep, or government school rooms, keep their windows open. Now, not all the way, but still, four inches. Four inches is, that's a lot. It's enough to make it cold in there over a period of eight hours. Um, so, you know, you're still, you still got your kids in government school. You really need to ask yourself why. You really need to, to be honest with yourself about why you haven't done anything to help your kids get out of these indoctrination camps. Because that was the number one reason to not be there in the first place, was that if you take them out of the government schools, then the government can't indoctrinate them with their propaganda as easily. So that would have been the old reason to do it. Now they're literally just torturing them. So, And I mean, some of these parents, they seem to know that. Like, hey, my four-year-old, this is the kind of notice I get from the school. My four-year-old's being subjected to this. Um, no, wh- Why? Why are you allowing your four-year-old to be subjected to this? It's time to stop. It's t- You can still, in most places in the United States, pull your kids out of government schools. Now, as you said, Aria, it might be more difficult in some places than it is in others. But still, there's even in California, from what I understand, there's still a path out. So get them out. And uh, better still, don't put them in in the first place. If you're you know, moving to a place, don't register them with the government school system. It's none of their damn business that you've got kids in that place. That's what Sadly, I, I think in some states you have to. Yeah. You might be right about that. New but. Hampshire is not one of those places as I understand it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. And then we go to the Derry School Board, Derry, New Hampshire, where Erica Cohen writes an article for the Boston Globe headline, I chair the school board in Derry, New Hampshire, and I'm afraid. She says, for a couple of days last fall, a viral video on Derry Facebook pages was a one-minute clip of a man telling the Derry school board that if we required everyone to get the, quote, genocide jab, unquote, we would be war criminals and should hang. As chairperson, I interrupted... This hyperbole scares her? Okay, first of all... This didn't go viral, lady. I, I live here in New Hampshire, and this is the first I've ever heard about it. Well, maybe it was viral in Derry, New Hampshire. It, yeah, it may have gotten 70 whole views. <laughs> yeah. As a chairperson, she says, I interrupted and asked the man to be polite. When he persisted, I told the AV guy to cut his mic. The man continued, calling me and my fellow board members Nazis and repeating that we should hang. The audience, who mostly shared the man's opposition to masks and vaccines and usually clapped for like-minded speakers, remained silent. You cut his microphone because you didn't like what he was saying. He called you Nazis and then you got upset. That's right. They oppressed his freedom of speech, right? They're public... They're public servants. They're supposed to be held accountable to people like him, even if they don't phrase things in the most polite of ways. See, here's the thing. They want you to be polite to them. Mm. But what they tell you, now without actually saying this, is if you don't do what they say, they will take your house from you. They will take you. It doesn't matter if it's in the middle of wintertime. They will come to your, your house with armed agents calling themselves the sheriff's department. And they will, at gunpoint, if necessary, force you, forcibly remove you. In, they'll put you in handcuffs if you don't go. Or shoot you if you don't go. Or taser you or whatever. And they will remove you Under from what that charges? Premises. There's no charge. Well, if you resist it, then there will be charges of resisting arrest and that sort of thing. But the, uh, the, the thing is called a tax sale. So whenever you don't pay property taxes... 
uh, for whatever reason. You know, maybe you sure. are upset that they're uh, doing things in the government school system that you don't like, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to pay for this anymore, and so you don't pay the property tax bill. Seems risky, or even a part of the property tax bill. They will send to you a notice after you know you are late. They'll say, you're late with the bill. You're going to get hit with an eight uh, percent per annum fee, and after two years, we will take your property from you. So you then have two years to make payments. I presume that means pay it in full, whatever it is they say that you owe. And by the way, property taxes in New Hampshire usually are like 60, 70, 75% uh, goes to the schools. So if you don't pay property taxes, you are essentially not paying for the schools and if you know whatever the other services are, you know, the other 25% of it. Which seems silly because I, I can't imagine why people without children are being forced to pay for the public school system. Whether they oppose socialism. it ideolog- whether they oppose it for ideological reasons or not, as we do here on the show, mm-hmm. we still don't have kids. Why are we subsidizing the education of other people's children? Well, because of socialism. I mean, because clearly, people if they have children, if only people with children had to pay for the government schools, I mean, imagine what it would cost them on their property tax bills. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my problem. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't want that. <laughs> well, at that point, they would probably realize, hey, you know what? I think I probably can't. If I'm not having to pay this massive school bill, I probably can't afford to stay home and educate the, ch- the child myself. Yeah, they could. Um, and the good news is that in New Hampshire, there's actually something called the Education Savings Account that just passed last year that is allowing parents uh, essentially a uh, reimbursement or some sort of a check from the government in order to buy things for, uh, in order to send their kids to either a private school or buy homeschooling curriculum, which is interesting. I don't have kids, uh, but can, can I have my money back? Yeah, well, maybe you could sign up Osria. <laughs> That's true. Your dog. Um, but, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Obviously, the best solution would be to abolish government schools entirely and abolish the taxes that pay for them. But in the meanwhile, there's these stupid things called school boards and these school board bureaucrats, these politicians uh, that run for office in these low paying positions. They're just little tyrants like every other politician. They they wield whatever power they possibly can. So, again, this uh, school board lady here is upset because somebody said that she was she's a war criminal. Somebody said that she should hang for forcing kids to get the uh, the jab. Well, I will say the man is out of line. If he had kept up to date with New Hampshire News, he would know that the school board cannot mandate that children get vaccinated, at the very That's least. True. That's true. So that part... That doesn't mean they're not Nazis, though. That It doesn't. Yeah. But that little part of the conversation could have been skipped entirely, and he could have focused on other things that they were doing that were tyrannical. That night, she says, my expression was steely, but the next day in the district... Bus- she cried herself to sleep. In the, in the district business administrator's office, I cried. <laughs> out of fr- You haven't read this story, right? No. Okay. Out of but I know the type of person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's a walking stereotype of a snowflake, of, of-, of a tyrant who wants to abuse other people. But, but when, when it gets turned on her... And the, she, the, he, this guy didn't even abuse her. He yeah. just said some mean things to right? her. Yeah. He's not going to steal her house. No. He's Uh, not going to force her kids uh, to uh, do something. Out of frustration, she says, anger and fear. The First Amendment gave that man the right to swear, to use lewd language, and even to make veiled threats. Okay, first of all, no, the First Amendment doesn't give you a right. The First Amendment supposedly respects your rights. The idea behind the Bill of Rights, whether you're talking about the New Hampshire Constitution, which also protects free speech, or the U.S. uh, government constitution— 
is that they are supposed to recognize and respect and protect certain rights that already existed prior to those men writing that document. Yes. It says, okay, this is the instructions for forming this government, and our government is going to respect people's rights, and here are the rights specifically that will be respected. That's what they do. They don't give you the rights. But it's typical for people like this to believe that the founding documents also grant rights to people, and it's just just not true. It's silly how eager people are to jump at threats. Saying that something should happen to someone is not a threat. It's a wish. At, at, at worst, they're making a wish that something bad happens to you. Yep, right. A threat would be saying, I'm going to hang you, yeah. stating if, intent. If that but, happened, then surely the police would have arrested that man. Yeah, but he didn't. He said, you should be hanged as war criminals. Well, that doesn't mean he has any intention whatsoever of trying to hang you. In fact, it suggests otherwise. If he wanted to hang you, he would have said that. We got more from the Snowflake School Board Chairperson. And that's on the way. If you want to join us, 603-283-6160, 603-283-6160. You know, I don't really generally like the idea of spending time at school board meetings because it's usually a total time waster. But if it's making them this uncomfortable, I might have to rethink my position on this. This is Free Talk Live. Yeah! Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us. The number is 603-283-6160. Are school board members becoming so frustrated by the parents that are attending their school board meetings these days that they might actually quit their jobs? Man, I hope so. But, you know, that's not how bureaucrats work. They'll just start bringing in more police and more police, yeah. and they'll start excluding the public, requiring some sort of... System, I, I can't imagine what it would look like. You, they you get, can't really exclude people from a public meeting, though. Not, not yet. I mean, they they but they'll, they'll start holding them via Zoom or something shady like that, that. Would be a way around it, yeah, for sure. Um, don't give many ideas, Arya. They already had this idea, didn't they? <laughs> Keen already yeah. tried it out. That were they doing that with the school board here? It wouldn't surprise well, me. Well, the all. city council did, didn't they? Yeah, I think you're right about that. For some time, but they're having in in uh, in person meetings again. Anyway, uh, we're reading an article here. It's an opinion piece by a lady that her name is Erica Cohen, and she is frustrated as the chairperson of the school board in Derry, New Hampshire, because somebody said that she was a Nazi. Somebody told her in the meeting that she was a Nazi and that she should hang. Was and she behaving like a Nazi at the time? I suspect they've been doing that. In fact, they've been talking about, you know, mandatory masks, and I imagine they are requiring masks. A lot of school boards, sadly, are still requiring that, even here in the so-called live free or die state, from what I understand. But as It's you so point- weird. I don't think anyone has ever called me a Nazi. And that's probably that's right. because I don't do or say things that sound like things a Nazi would do or say. Indeed. Well, let's go back to uh, this little Nazi and what she has to say for herself. So she says she complains about this man who had uh, spoken up at her meeting, and she says that she cried about it the next day in her district business administrator's office out of frustration, anger, and fear. She says the First Amendment gave that man a right to swear, to use lewd language, and even make veiled threats. And by the way, she cut his microphone uh, when she was doing that. But she says, What is the problem with using foul language? They just don't like it. You okay. know, they want to have decorum. 
at their meeting. They want their meetings to look respectable, right? They want everybody to be respectful. They want people to be polite because they don't want people to realize that you can speak to them this way and that if you do, they really can't do a whole lot to you. Now, if they tell you to stop and then you don't and then they tell the police to arrest you, then you get a, you catch a criminal charge uh, and they could probably hit you with like disorderly conduct or something like that. So it's not a perfect uh, guarantee that you won't be arrested for this stuff. It definitely doesn't seem disorder, disorderly, though. I mean, you have the microphone, right? You're allowed yes. to speak. Until they tell you you can't speak anymore. Okay. <laughs> and they can make some arbitrary determination uh, about that. So there's... There's no perfect free speech system when it comes to speaking at these meetings. Ultimately, they are the ones in charge of the microphones, and if they want to take it away from you, they can, and then you would have to sue them later on. So it's it's not like a – there's no guarantee you won't be arrested for, for speaking up and standing your ground. But that said, she says, I would learn later from a lawyer for the New Hampshire School Boards Association that the man's use of the word if to preface his remarks about a vaccine mandate meant that I couldn't legally silence him. Where he had said, "Oh, so she she learned that she was in the wrong." Yes, the lawyer advised me going forward to give people their three minutes and cut them off only when they exceed it. So nice. That's interesting. <laughs> she got put in her place, and she's not happy about it. But in the moment, the man's threat, veiled or otherwise, felt very real to me. There was Over- no threat, and surely there was a cop or deputy or something there. Well, she said if uh, she said that what he said was that if was we he holding a rope? No. <laughs> then, then then why was she scared? Well, right. And and again, it's uh it's the wording here. He says if they required kids to get the the jab, that that would make them war criminals and that they should hang. That doesn't mean that he would do the hanging. Right. Right. That's just what you do to war criminals in general. Yes. Unless they're the president of the United States, in which case you give them a pass. Over the next week, I repeatedly relived what had happened. Oh, what a snowflake. And thought about resigning. She needs to do. Do and think less. Yes. Was serving as chair of my local school board worth withstanding such vitriol? Was it worth shaking in my car on my drive home from a meeting? How, what kind how of, old is this lady and how does she make it to adulthood being this sensitive? What kind of example was I setting for students if I didn't challenge such ugly speech? Hostilities rose. Now, it's been a while since I was at a school board meeting, but I, can't, I don't... Actually, I don't think I've ever been to a school board meeting. They're awful. Just awful. How many students are there at these things? Almost none. I wouldn't think so. That's the, sort of what I was getting. I yeah. remember going to some PTA meetings because I didn't have a choice, Yeah, but never a school board meeting. I remember going to PTA meetings as a kid and doing everything I could to not be inside the room. Right? Yeah. Like we'd go hang out outside with the other kids, basically. Uh, so the, the kids aren't even going to hear about this. And the no. example she's setting. And if they are, they're not going to care. The only reason a, a, a student will be at the school board meeting is if there's something that they need from the school board. So, for instance, if the school board is voting on a budget for, you know, the sports department or whatever, and uh, they then they'll like they might trot the football team in there to say we need money, and then as soon as the school board votes for the money, then they all leave. Yeah, because right. they have. They have pot to smoke. That's the only reason you'll see kids at a, at a school board meeting. Going on, she says, hostilities rose markedly last August in the wake of meetings about school reopening plans. One indication of that was an SUV I saw parked in front of the dairy farmer's market that had, quote, defund the school board, unquote, written on the back windshield and unmask the kids scrawled on the side windows. That's not hostile at all. 
seeing it. My daughter suggested I wear a hat and sunglasses, like a celebrity trying to evade public recognition. I wished I had something to hide behind. Instead, I was skittish and scanned the crowd as we shopped. <laughs> what a coward, She literally man. is acting like there's someone out to get her, like that someone's going to jump her because while she's some at the cantankerous old man yeah. called her a Nazi. Oh, no, in this case, well, that's what started it. But in this case, because somebody had an SUV parked near the farmer's market. And they wrote, defund the school board on the window. So she thinks somebody's going to be lurking in the the, the crowd at the the farmer's market to jump her and, like, kill her or something like that. It's ridiculous paranoia. On the way home, I thought about resigning again. I kept looking in my rearview mirror, and there were headlights there, and every time I took a right turn, they took a right turn, and then I realized, oh, yes, my husband was following me back. (laughs) But I was still so terrified. So terrified. So she's now thinking about resigning again after that non-incident, right? Like, all of that was in her head. She's such a Republican, man. Like, she, she created this elaborate scenario in her head that was not in any way represented by reality, and then she got offended and upset about this imaginary scenario that she created... And is now crying about it. That's a 100% a Republican thing to do. Well, I don't know what her politics is, but I will guess that she's, she's a Democrat. An abject status. That's for uh, for damn sure. But yeah, that seems like the safe uh, presumption. So I hope she will uh, actually do the resigning, but she has more to say. She says, I'm not alone. Barrett Christina, executive director of the New Hampshire School Boards Association, told me about school board members in the Granite State whom law enforcement had escorted to their cars for safety. One board was contacted by the FBI because of threats made against individual members. Quote, some very good members and some people who are committed to public education have already resigned from their local school boards, she said. I've heard I've heard from some others who've said they do not intend to run again when their seat is up this coming March. Good. Uh, that is fantastic <laughs> news. And so, like I said, I am you know, going to reconsider my opinion here about attending these meetings. If you've got, Might be time to run for school board if these people start resigning. Yeah. Well, uh, somebody's got to be in these positions, unfortunately. Now, it is god-awful to be a school board member, from what I can tell. I We used to run for these things here in Keene. We actually used to regularly go, not to their regular meetings, not to the every month or however often they have them, but they had a one meeting per year where they would vote on the budget. And the Free Staters, the Liberty people in Keene would go to that meeting. But we were only ever like 10 people out of 90 or 100 people in the auditorium. Yeah. So we could never do anything except for maybe break a tie. And there were a few occasions, on rare occasion, that we would break a tie. And, and then we would stop them from like increasing the budget a little bit more than they already would have. But every time we were there... It was always, well, do we increase the budget by 5% or do we increase it by 4%? So there was never any kind of option to decrease the school bu- school budget. And whenever Conan, and it's too bad he's not here tonight, uh, he may be, may or may not be here tomorrow, he's got like some extra work to do, but he actually put forward um, these ballot measures. He would get the 25 signatures required to actually put them forward to the school board. And then what would happen... And that's some- a lot of work. I mean, it's not that hard to get 25 signatures. We've got a couple Doing it more dozen. than once, though. I mean, doing it, like, routinely? Yeah, he did it every year for, I don't know, three or four years. And some of these ballot measures would have actually reduced the school board budget, among other things. But what would happen would be, at this one meeting, which are attended, by the way, by almost all teachers, so, like, probably 70 of the 90 people in the room work for the school board, in these meetings, they would 
amend his proposals and completely gut them, change the wording completely, totally make the essentially neuter his proposals, and it made it completely worthless uh, for him to bother with it. So there's more coming up here, though. We'll share more of this lady's article. It's free talk. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, the number if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, you've got me, Ian. Me, Bonnie. And Arya. And uh, Bonnie, thanks for joining us here tonight. We were just talking, for those of you just tuning in, uh, talking about an article in the Boston Globe, this by a school board chairperson in this uh, town of Derry, New Hampshire, who is... Afraid, she says. She's frightened because somebody told her she was a Nazi uh, if she forced people to get the jab and said that uh, would make her into a war criminal and that she should hang. She and the rest of the school board of Derry. She says that she considered quitting her job after that and that uh, she became so paranoid that during a uh, farmer's market that she was attending uh, that she got a, she was frightened there because somebody had an SUV parked nearby with defund the school board and unmask the kids written on the windshield and the side windows. She said she was wishing she had something to hide behind while she was there. She was skittish and scanned the crowd. This really surprises me, right? Um, I don't think this guy who wrote this on his SUV probably would have recognized a school board member if he saw her in the farmer's market or where it was anyway. I wouldn't know any of them. I mean, then again, I don't go to the school board meetings in but the area. this lady makes it out like she's a local celebrity or something. Yeah. <laughs> like She has to put on sunglasses and a scarf to go grocery shopping. Lady, you're a, you're a glorified bureaucrat in one of the most boring boards in the United States. Yeah. I think that this is at least in part um, a, what, something to blame is that people think that their jobs can never be changed and I've always thought that that was so weird. Like, people who are like, we'll lose our jobs. Like, you'll only have one job. She, For the rest of your life. Yeah, it's like so part of people's identity. And it's always been weird to me because I'll just quit a job in three seconds if I don't like the way that the toilet paper is. Well, like, I'll just well, quit a job. There's a difference between a job and a career. Mm-hmm. And this lady has gone into the education field or bu- the, bureau- the bureaucratic side of the education field as a career. So I'm sure she knew that she would lose this particular job at some point. This isn't even a career. You I can mean, get it, a different job in the same, even the same, you know, 
Oh, but she know. wants to move up to the next one. What's, what's beyond chair of the school board? In the school? Superintendent, maybe? That's actually like a real job. So when you work for the school board, you're only getting like, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars a year in New Hampshire, at least. Now, in other places around the country, it may be a very lavish uh, position with tens of thousands of dollars or, or I don't know. But in New Hampshire... You're probably not pulling down more than two to $5,000 a year, depending on whatever school board we're talking about. So it's a part-time job, and most of these people aren't intending to be school board members forever. It's just that they're members of the community, and they feel like this is their how they can contribute to the quote-unquote community. Most of be them Be a volunteer. Aren't. Go be a volunteer. I mean, what's $2,000 a year anyway? Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost a volunteer position. Uh, she might think differently about it. I wouldn't if she do were, it for two thousand a year. Yeah, if she were making fifty thousand, she might think a little differently about it. But she's willing to throw it away because it isn't that much to her, right? Like she's in this because no, she she's believes- not. I mean, well, she's saying that she felt like she was threatened in public. Yet she's only considering quitting her job, and that's a really big deal. It's like just quit your job if you don't like it. Well, the reason why she's continuing is because in her mind. She's helping the students. She's helping the community. She's doing something. She's contributing, and she wants to continue in her position of power over the school system because she is someone who believes in government schooling. She believes fully in the government being in charge of schools, and she wants to do her part in mandating masks and mandating obedience and mandating and increasing the budget for the schools because she believes more money spent in government schools means better education, even though we've always seen that that's not true. Then right, right and change people's minds. Get the voters to she change She doesn't have mind. to. She can just increase the budget. And there's nothing that the voters can do except for vote her out. But the problem is whoever they vote in is likely going to want to do the same exact thing. Yeah, because that's the only type of person that ever runs. Keen aside, yeah, that's the only kind of person who ever runs for school board is someone who wants to glorify and hold up and inf- and inflate the public education system. That generally true. Now that's starting to change. There's a group in New Hampshire called Moms for Liberty, as I understand it. They have been some of the people that have been going to these school board meetings, and they're talking about running for school boards. But regardless. Even if you get people on the school board, you can't abolish the school board from within. Okay, these things are created at the state level, from what I understand. So if we really want to get rid of government schools, it has to be done from the state level. It, you have to get enough people in the state legislature to propose to eliminate them entirely. And that's we're a long ways away from something like that happening. If you're on the school board, the minimum you can do is sort of like nibble around the edges. You might be able to reduce the budget. If you had enough people on the school board, but as you say, Aria, most of the people running are a bunch of power freaks. And the people that and the other problem is the people that go out and they vote in these elections are also the politically connected. So if you think about it, your average person doesn't go to a municipal election, right? Like municipal being sure. city or town elections. You know, the the turnout like here in Keene, New Hampshire, it's like a tenth. Of oh, it was a joke. Turnout. I don't even think there yeah. were a thousand people. Uh, you're going to cross the whole in city? this last year. Yeah. 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 So the turnout's terrible, and you know who's going, right? The people who show up are the people who are knowledgeable for the most part. First of all, they have to know the election's happening, number one. They're not, it's not like the presidential election where it's getting pounded everywhere and you can't avoid it. 
you know, you might see the signs on the side of the road, but you don't know what day the election is unless you specifically look for it, right? So you have to know it's happening. So the people who are politically connected are the ones who know it's happening. The ones, those political dogs that are constantly, you know, paying attention to who's who and they know who Aria is and they know who, you know, all the candidates are. And That's definitely true of the municipal elections. Right. Now think about it of the school board, how much worse that one is because it doesn't even happen. The school board meeting or the school board elections in New Hampshire don't generally happen, at least in Keene. I don't know, but I can't speak to the towns because they have different setups. We live in the quote-unquote city. So here they happen in March. So it's six months away or whatever, more than six months away from you know the, the last election uh, or the next election in November. I was not aware of that. Yeah, so like so it's just- not your typical election season. So the odds that even as many people show up to the school board elections as do the municipal ele- election are are even less. So... Who's showing up at a school board election? You better believe the teachers are. Yep. You better believe the school board members are. Everybody, you know, every janitor, every administrator of the school board, all the people who work and get paid by the system are the ones who are most likely to come out and vote. So you have to somehow outnumber those people. And that's no easy task. No, because you have to make people aware that, hey, they're holding this election randomly in March and you should go to it. That's just a futile task, really. It's tough. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's tough. And then you, you know, what? You elect one person to the school board, and then they're one vote out of 10 or 15 or whatever, and they can't do anything, right? They're the Ron Paul of the school board, and they get nothing, they get nothing done. Uh, but let me go on, because she's, she's not done with her bemoaning and bellyaching about having to hear freedom of speech, uh, people saying things like, you're a Nazi. She says, I thought about resigning again. She said, I'm not alone. Third time's a charm. All she has to do is think about it one more time and we can get her out of office. She says, I've heard from some others who say they don't intend to run again when their seat is coming up this March. Incivility in politics is not new, but incivility at school board meetings is. Years ago, when I worked as a local reporter in southwestern New Hampshire and covered local school board hearings, I was often the only attendee besides the school board members themselves, unless it was a budget hearing, which tended to generate a little more public interest. That's why they were more civil, lady. It was only the school board there. (laughs) Right. They didn't know what you were doing because the people weren't there to see it. They didn't. They figured there's nothing they could do about it. Now they figured out that they can at least call you out, even though if there's nothing that they can actually do, they can at least use the public statements uh, message portion where you get the three minutes to just speak their mind. And, and this lady sitting there going, "This was a lot easier and a lot more civil before we let the public in here to tell <laughs> us what they think about it." The weirdest yeah. part about this to me is that she's a school board meeting groupie, and that's why she wants to be a school board star and sure. thinks everybody's looking at her because she's part of the school board. She was voluntarily going to these when nobody else was. That's right. And, oh, no, and reporting on them, like, was, yeah, you're, you're right. She is obsessed with these things. <laughs> well, she was a reporter. That's the reason she was there. She probably otherwise wouldn't have gone either. I don't know. She was, her, it was her the way she's painting herself, I'm starting to think that this lady just loves school boards for some reason. <laughs> well, that much is definitely true. I mean, you have to in order to be a chairman of the school board. True. Uh, there's more coming up here at 603-283-6160. But yeah, you let people have comments and they say things you're not going to like. And if she quits her job, the world will be a better place. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here. Is it time that people start showing up at school board meetings and insulting and not threatening them, but calling them tyrants and telling them what should happen to tyrants? You don't have to insult them. Just show up, state your opinion, 
and why you feel that way or why you think that way. And these people will recoil at it. They, they, as this lady pointed out, they're not used to encountering no. any resistance. Opposition. Yeah, it's just the other school board members and teachers and stuff like that who always give a round of applause when they raise the budget by an additional one point five percent this year. Now and, you've got people standing there saying, "You're hurting me. You're forcing your way on our students, and you know you're forcing masks on them. You're forcing them into rooms with windows open, and we're sick of this." Stop it. And this crazy lady almost literally said, this used to be a lot more civil before we let the public come in here and tell us what they think. Well, they had been letting the public in. It's but just no, no one, one ever went. showed up. Right. And now they're showing up and she doesn't like it. So we're going to continue with the story. But also we are raising funds for Give Directly. It's the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people who are living in extreme poverty. And they locate recipients who are in need, like in the counties of Bamet and Kalifi counties in Kenya. And they use mobile money to send them cash with no strings attached. In the last decade, over Give Directly, they've delivered over $400 million to over a million people. And we're talking about serious poverty where you actually have to you know, walk five miles to go and get some potable water and really seriously uh, poor folks. Anyway, the uh, research shows that giving cash to people living in those situations can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives like employment, nutrition, health, and education. Plus, cash allows the individual to invest in what they need rather than relying on people thousands of miles away choosing for them. So if you agree, we do, uh, and we want to help you out by donating, or rather matching your donations, up to $30,000 in total. You can go to give.freetalklive.com to help out some people that really need help there in Kenya. That's give.freetalklive.com for Give Directly. We uh, continue here with this editorial piece by the frightened school board chair in Derry, New Hampshire. And I've always said, now I don't support threatening people. No and, one has threatened this lady, And though. no one has <laughs> threatened her. They just said that if you force kids to get the jab, then you would be a Nazi and you would deserve what happened. That's like uh, if I'm walking down the street and someone says, hey, I hope you die. That's not threatening me. That's That's true. Just being a jerk. (laughs) Right. Uh, And so she's really upset by this. And as she points out here, it's because she says that she used to only be the when she worked as a local reporter, she was the only attendee besides the school board members at these meetings, unless it was a budget hearing and then a few more people would show up. She says, the same was true in 2016 when I joined the Dairy School Board. Our discussions focused on policy, building maintenance, and budgets. There was disagreement, but there was no name-calling. There certainly weren't people telling us that we should hang. Today, Google school board and violence, and you'll get a host of articles from national and local news outlets with headlines like, Punch thrown at Connecticut school board meeting. Fight breaks out after school board votes in favor of mask mandate. Threats, violence, leads school boards to request FBI help. And it's like a time of war. I personally don't um, condone violence, but it's just crazy to me that these people think that they can do things to people's kids and not expect anybody to hit them. <laughs> like do negative things yeah. to people's kids. Well, I think a better solution would be for these parents to pull their kids out of the school system instead of, instead of punching some school board member or something like that. I know, but I agree with that. But it's just this lady thinks that her actions have no consequences and Correct. she can do whatever she wants. She thinks she should be completely immune from anything that uh, you know might occur because of whatever policies that they put together. And you're right, Bonnie. When you push people too far, they are going to snap. And again, we speak out against violence here a lot on Free Talk Live, like... 
piece is the message of this show. But I understand how the human animal is. Like, you yeah. corner a human animal, you corner any animal, and it feels threatened, it is going to lash out. And these parents, they feel like you're threatening their kids, and they're going to lash out. And she's lucky that all that's happened to her is somebody said something she didn't like. That's more like New Hampshire, though. It seems like an actual risk of violence at one of these school board meetings Very would low. be relatively low yeah. for New Hampshire. There's probably people in that area or in that room that have guns. So any, you know, any act of actual violence in that that room would likely be put down real fast. Because actions have consequences. Yeah. But that's like said, this lady's. She's still afraid, and that's what's interesting. Here she's afraid today. of a boogeyman that she created in her own head of people stalking her around the grocery store and trying to hang her. <laughs> she says, I date the start of the incivility to March of 2020 when COVID shut down schools across the country. No, yes. she did. And people became frustrated and started speaking out. Yes, I would also mark right. that as the moment that this started. She when says, governments pushed too far. As the tenor of the national debate over masks and later vaccines grew heated, the intensity and division trickled down to the local level. The hostility was abetted by a lack of clear guidance from the top. Here in New Hampshire, the Republican governor left the masking decision to local school boards, which put us squarely in the crosshairs of an angry, scared, and frustrated public. Oh, so they just want to pass the buck to they someone do. else who's not at all accountable. Right. They wanted to say, oh, well, we're only doing what we're told, instead of actually making the policy. You know who themselves. else said that? The Nazis. The Nazis. <laughs> That's so weird. Yep. Uh, school board, she says, have two primary functions to establish budgets and provide fiscal oversight and to set and adopt policy. COVID made masks one of those policies. No, At- no, no. COVID didn't. School boards did. Now you did, lady. At hearings and meetings, we all heard the arguments against them. They were psychologically harmful to children. We had no right to make a medical decision and decide for parents that their kids should wear masks. The CDC peddles uh, pseudoscience. Last August, uh, audience So she heard all those things, but and ignored them. Ignored them. <laughs> she is admitting that she remembers them, but she's choosing to ignore them. I wanted to point that out, too. All of those things she just said are true. Yes, they the are. CDC is peddling pseudoscience and has been for a very long time. Masks are psychologically harmful to children. And I don't even remember what the other one was at this point, but it was a true statement as well. But you see, they have a doctor, too, on the school board side. And he is says that my kid's doctor. Things. No, then I don't care what that doctor has to say. That doctor isn't responsible for my kid's health. Last August, audience members repeatedly interrupted a doctor advising our district, mocking him as he spoke. Some opposed to masks stood directly behind the chairs of those who favored masks in what I assume was a bid to unnerve their opponents. But when other doctors who have different opinions go up and speak and aren't the chosen doctor by the school board, then the school board just ignores them. Well, then they only get three minutes, right? As we yeah. saw in the the Keene uh, City Council mask mandate hearing, which you can watch the full video on the Free Keen Odyssey channel at video.freekeen.com if you would like to see this. They had the... Uh, the administrator, doctor, or whatever from the hospital, like the top dog doctor. The one who the... gets money every time COVID patients uh, come into his hospital. Yeah, that guy. Uh, he was the one who got to spend at least a half an hour, 25 minutes to a half an hour, speaking and being asked questions uh, by the city council. And then everybody else was limited to three minutes. So, This lady said that the people who were against masks sat behind the people who were for masks in order to unnerve they stood. them. They stood behind those chairs. I've, I've still never been unnerved by someone standing behind me while right. I'm seat, seated. What are they going to do? Cut their throats? 
You know, what are you worried about? In this lady's imaginary <laughs> hellscape world, they her. just might. Hang them, yeah. The number here is 603-283-6160. She's not done yet, though. She's got more to complain about in her job as a school board minister, the uh, the top chairperson. The number 603-283-6160. Do you want to weigh in on this? Do you think that uh, this is a good tactic to scare these people out of their jobs? It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. And, of course, you can bring up uh, whatever's on your mind. We are talking about some school board bureaucrats, politicians that are feeling scared now because... The average person who they've been telling how to live and telling their kids what they have to do in the last couple of years has finally decided to start showing up at their meetings. Whereas normally these school board meetings, as this lady points out, and it's not unusual what she's saying, prior to COVID and the restrictions come that came from these school boards during COVID, prior to that, almost no one ever went to these meetings unless they were advocating to get something. Unless they were looking for the school board to do them or their favorite teacher or uh, department a favor, and then they'd always leave as soon as that section of the meeting was done. Well, keep in mind that I hate this mentality in the first place, right? But the school board was always one of those government institutions that never really drew a lot of attention to itself. It, it always just kept doing whatever it's supposed to do. It mm-hmm. always grew its budget. It always got the teachers, the yeah. supplies they needed. I mean, it was just one of the most innocuous governmental institutions there were and unstoppable i mean like you said the budgets always grow you can't stop it and then COVID happened and they started doing a lot of objectionable things like requiring mask mandates requiring yep. schools to have their windows open in the middle of january in boston yep so it, it was understandable that oh this institution that just does these totally normal things for the last five decades now they've lost their minds and they're doing things that we actually don't approve of it's time to go speak out against it So, we continue here with a uh, story from BostonGlobe.com. Erica Cohen writes, as uh, the chairperson of the school board in Derry, New Hampshire, she says she's afraid and she's considering quitting her job as chair of the school board uh, because people who are now passionate are coming in and speaking at her meetings. And she doesn't like it because people are not being nice. I just, I don't have kids, but I have a dog. Imagine if I got everybody in the neighborhood, except for like this one family, to vote for me to be the, the dog board member. And I just started making rules for everyone else's dogs. And when they didn't like it and they came up to me and said, hey, you can't tell me and my dog has to be in a cage all day. 
I, well, I was yes, just shocked. I can. You elected me. Yes, I can. And I was just shocked that they were mad at me and right. saying that I was acting like a Nazi. That, that's yeah. no different than what's happening here. I like this because I like that actions, the actions of these bureaucrats are finally resulting in consequences. Mind you, not real consequences like her actually being harmed. And I don't think that violence is the solution or something bad happening to her car, you know, tires being slashed or, or whatever. I don't think those are the answers. But I'll tell you what, you keep effing with people's kids and it's going to get closer and closer to things like that happening. But right now, it's just people saying things to her. And I have always been in favor of telling bureaucrats, including the police, how you feel about what they're doing. Like, I've done this for years. And I've, got, I've taken heat for it, too. Like, oh, you should be nicer. No, I shouldn't. Not if they're destroying someone's life. Okay, if you're actually harming another peaceful person, whether it's arresting a... Which is what police do. Regularly. Whether it's arresting a college student for walking down the street with an open container, or whether it's raiding uh, with a DEA, the local uh, head shop here on Main Street back in 2014, and ruining that person's business. I had a lot of choice words uh, for those bureaucrats in those, those situations, and I let them know how I felt about it. And if more people told the police and school board members and city councilors how they really felt about them whenever they saw them on the streets and shamed them for being little tyrants not threatening them but just shaming them letting them know that they're it's not appreciated what they do and that they're not we don't need them to do the things that they're doing and they should quit their jobs this lady said twice in this article that she has considered quitting her job. This is having an effect. And she, and she said other people are other people considering have. it. Uh, she said not only are they considering it, other people she knows, but other people have quit their jobs over this. And we've seen people in the state house quit their jobs here in New Hampshire. And we've seen people actually leave New Hampshire entirely, who are some of the worst status in New Hampshire. They've moved out. Good. Yeah. So I think this is a very important thing. They should go to Boston where they let their kids be educated in 54 degree temperatures. Right. Hey, it's all about safety. It is. I mean, they'll, they'll get pneumonia and die, but... At least it wasn't from COVID. Right. They didn't die from COVID. They're not just a statistic anymore. They were intentionally, one might even almost say deliberately yeah. sacrificed. She goes on. She says, on the other side, equally passionate parents told us that masks kept their young children who are not yet eligible for the vaccine safe. Regardless, someone was always angry and the board was always on the receiving end of their ire. As school board meetings across the country have become battlegrounds, many boards... Lady, this is politics. Has she not seen the United States for the last, I don't know, 20 years? It's increasingly hostile toward one another. Republicans and Democrats, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, or no matter which side of an issue you're on, whoever is against you passionately hates you and is always coming just short of making death threats against you. That's how politics works in the United States these days. As far as the new normal is concerned, I like this one. I like this, this version of it where people are mad at politicians and mad at school board members. Yeah. That's one benefit that's come out of all this insanity. Yeah, but the... They're not understanding that the solution here is to stop trying to force the other side to obey and to just say, okay, you know, this this isn't working out. I'm going to go here and do my thing. You go over there and do your thing. No, the solution is to vote for the person that will do the thing they want. Yeah. And that you guys are right. That is absolutely the problem here. These people don't know what the actual solution is, but that's where people like us can come into play. And that's where being in a place like New Hampshire makes a difference. Because free staters, people who've moved here as part of the, the migration of libertarian activists, can start going to these places and talking to these people, talking to the audience members and, and telling them, like, 
look, the solution is this. The solution is to put your kids out of the government schools. The solution is to contact your representatives and tell them we don't want government schools anymore. Stop forcing viewpoints about what kids ought to learn and what kids ought to do and what they ought to you know, inject out of the government. It should not be at all an option. But she goes on. So she's talking about how school boards are now battlegrounds. Many boards, she says, including mine, have brought in police to quell the anger. Because that always helps. Yes, Chris- bringing in armed thugs is sure to ease the tension. Her friend Christina says, uh, this is the lady who is the head of the School Boards Association in New Hampshire, says such police presence at local school boards in New Hampshire was uncommon before COVID, but it is common now. I can tell you, they brought them into the Keene School Board uh, 10 years ago when we were active there. <laughs> so it's not that uncommon as long as people show up and have and there something to pe- say. There aren't many you know, activists more peaceful than libertarians. So That's if they right. brought in cops in for that, it's not because people are making threats at them no. or anything like that. It's because people are disagreeing with them. Yep, they want and control. And that terrifies them. She says, and in a state where it's legal to carry a gun with a permit. Oh, I, she's definitely, without a permit, That means correction. she can carry a gun. That's true. Yeah, you can do it without a permit. Uh, but she doesn't know that, apparently. She says, definitely a Democrat. <laughs> I have often recognized the bulge of a handgun on the waist of an angry anti-masker. <laughs> or let the crowd drive away before walking to my car. I feel better knowing there is police backup, even as I lament that this is what it's come to. You don't need the police. You have plenty of people there who are armed who are going to keep you safe, lady. Michelle Holt Shannon, the director and co-founder of NH Listens, a civic engagement initiative of the Carsey School of Public Policy at the University of New Hampshire, says, quote, There are people who just don't want to talk. They just want to block what's happening because they don't want it to happen. That is not new, she said. Her group works with up to 40 groups and communities a year to increase constructive public engagement. She says, The thing that feels different for me is the fear. Because of what has been happening in the past couple of years, the fear of people hurting other people is higher and real. Unquote. The lady I feel like who- all of that was a lot of, like, just words that didn't mean anything. So I'm not really sure what, what the last few things you were talking about were. Like, what is NH Listens? Uh, it's a some bureaucracy or whatever that uh, i mean it's privately funded it sounds like well i mean not if you consider the university of new hampshire a government school which it is so uh, a government school funded engagement initiative which wants to increase constructive public engagement so they advocate for people to be nice basically they advocate for people to get involved in Being the mean system. can be constructive yeah yeah well especially when you're dealing with tyrants yeah they don't uh, understand being nice. To, no, please, they don't care what you please think. Please stop. If, 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 if it's not terribly inconvenient, can you please stop restricting my rights? Please. They refuse. Of course they refuse them. You they get off on restricting right. people's rights. That's why they do what they do. All right. So there's more. She gets into critical race theory coming up because she's mad about that, too. A lot of people just don't want to uh, change the way they are until they're shamed. So, yep. I mean, it, I don't want to say bullied, but a lot of people, you know, they don't want to stop doing what they're doing until they realize it's unpopular. That's right. 603-283-6160. And in these people's cases, hopefully they will just leave because they're not likely to change. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. School board members are frustrated because people are actually speaking out. People are actually going to their god-awful meetings <laughs> and using the public sp- um, speaking time, you know, where you get like three minutes to say whatever you want, to say whatever they want to these government bureaucrats and politicians. To say. Yes. 
Yes. Not to do, nope. but to say whatever they want. And they are so frustrated. They're so scared. There's a whole lengthy editorial piece at the Boston Globe by a woman who is the chairperson of the school board of Derry, New Hampshire. And she talks about how she has considered quitting her position on more than one occasion in the last couple of years just because of the frustrated parents that have been showing up and expressing themselves. And she's mad about it. Uh, now, I'm of the mindset that, you know, she didn't frustrate these parents. These parents frustrated themselves. They chose to be frustrated as a reaction to you know what this lady did. However, as a rule of just being pragmatic, stop making them frustrated then. Yeah. And they won't be frustrated. Stop forcing masks on their kids. Stop talking about, ma- you know, mandating vaccines and all these other stupid uh, policies. Carry now, on as normal. And if the parents don't think you're keeping their kids safe, tell them to keep them at home. Now, of course, as you pointed out, the correct solution for parents is to get them the hell out of the government schools rather than fighting forever in school boards. Because the amount of time that you'll spend fighting in these feudal battles on these school boards, you could be doing other things that are actually good for your kids. Like, I don't know, reading a book with them. Yeah, I do have a little less sympathy for the parents now that they have um, these vouchers in New Hampshire where they can't just say, oh, I can't afford to homeschool my kid or, you know, whatever it is send their kid to a different school well to be fair the vouchers are new as of like last summer so they haven't even been around for a year yet as i understand it and probably not all parents know that they exist right Hmm. like the school boards are against the vouchers generally so (laughs) obviously so they're not democrats are crazy against the vouchers they're not going to send a note home with the the kids right Mm -mm. to let them know about this i'm curious why are democrats against the vouchers because it takes power away from the government schools i know but that's not that's not the reason they're going to give is it no of course not it doesn't make any sense like it doesn't make any sense to me You, you are giving people money to get their kids educated and you're supposed to be pro-education if you're a Democrat. It's it's only that they, they aren't getting educated the way that yeah. they want want they, people to right. get educated. They want their curriculum to be the one that's shoved down these kids' throats. And if it's money that's going home to the parents and then the parents get to decide the curriculum, then that takes them out of the system. It takes them out of the indoctrination. And Right. That I understand that. But they can't that. tell people that. They can't say, look, we're against this because we want to indoctrinate and brainwash your kids. Sure. I think so, what I've seen them saying about it is that it hurts the public schools. Yes, because they're the inferior choice. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's if the, the if they're the better choice, then people would just keep choosing to send their kids there. It hurts the government schools' budgets. Therefore, it hurts the teachers. And so they focus on the, the financial uh, aspects of it. And therefore, since the there's less uh, money or fewer dollars going to the government schools, therefore, those kids that are in there are going to suffer. Yeah, but See? those kids' parents now have a voucher to be able to choose to send their kids somewhere else. So it doesn't make any sense to me. I would understand. No. I'm not, I wouldn't say that I would understand as in I would agree, but I would think that their reasoning kind of made sense if it was somehow making it to where there was a percentage of kids that still had to go to public schools and then the the public schools were getting less money. Maybe they could say, oh, those these kids who still have to go to public school, they're... Public school is now crappier, but there aren't kids that have to go to public schools now with the vouchers. I think that there might be some kind of limitation on the voucher budget or something like that. I'm not sure how all that works, so it may not be that it's unlimited as far as all the children can opt to do that. Plus, we know that parents, in a lot of cases, pay no attention to their kids' schooling, so there's always going to be you know, some percentage of parents that are completely ignorant and don't care and just want to send their and kids the away. That's horrifying in, in its own right. Mm-hmm. That someone could be trying to raise a child and paying no attention to their education, giving it no thought whatsoever. I'm going to send you to this place 
for eight hours a day. I don't know what's going on there. I don't yeah. know who's in charge there. I don't know what's happening, and I don't care. But the, the people, those people existing is the excuse for the government schools, right? So the government school people, they say, oh, well, some parents, they don't care about their kids. So Public school didn't have- make that parent any less no. ignorant and stupid, so why do they think it's going to do anything better for the kid? The That's kid the would thing. probably be better out there on the streets fending for themselves. Well, originally, it was just some guy in Massachusetts, I can't remember his name, that started saying we needed public schools because otherwise the stupid... Irish people, he said, would be teaching their own kids, and they were too stupid to do so. That's what he said. There's a real ugly history behind the government school system, and and the points you guys are making are correct, but the statements that these bureaucrats and teachers and you know school board members are making in, against the vouchers and in favor of the government system as is, you're right. They are completely baseless they are just top level you it's easy to crack through them a little bit of digging is going to discover the truth and completely throw these these points into question but the average person doesn't do that stuff the average person just sees the comment in the newspaper and says oh well these vouchers are hurting the kids in the government schools we can't have that the solution would only be to make it to where more kids have access to the vouchers either by getting the word out or giving more you know I mean, if a, if a person reading a newspaper can't draw a line between people being given a choice to not put their kids in the government school system is going to destroy the government school system to, therefore, the government school system is the most inferior choice. If they, if they don't have the intellect to make that series of connections, then Darwin failed us. Hmm. Well, the government that, That's not even a huge logical step to make. If if the reason they're so bad, these school vouchers, is because people are going to choose to not put their ki- kids in government schools, yeah. there's no other solution. There's no other conclusion you can come to except, well, that's because government schools suck. That's right. I think a lot of people know that, that government schools suck. But, I don't know, there's just so much propaganda out there. I mean, there. everybody has to know that. There's always, you know, jokes like, oh, I went to public school. Haha, <laughs> I don't know. I, I well, went yeah. to public school. And what's, what student that you grew up with didn't ever at some point say, school sucks? I mean... It, it's common, right? Like people School know does that. suck. Yeah. It's horrible. The worst experience of my life. Zero out of ten. Would not That's recommend. That's because it's run by the state. You don't have any uh, competition. You don't get to find out what the market would actually bring to, to education. But I loved learning as a kid, so it didn't right. suck in that, pres- in that respect because I, I liked to learn. I was homeschooled for the first four years or well, something. That's a key difference. It is just wasn't the same. Learning is good. Education is good. And, but f- and fun. Kids love learning. Government sucks. It's only fun to learn when you want to. It's only fun to learn when you're actually interested in the thing. Well, not when they shove it down your throat because somebody said everybody has to take X, Y, and Z classes. Well, one of the first things that government schools do is they stamp out that kids love to learn. That's they right. make learning into something that is miserable and unfun and homework and testing the number one ways they right. use to do that. Yep. Let me go on with this lady. This is, again, the uh, chairperson of the Dairy New Hampshire School Board. She says, The trouble on school boards isn't only about how best to protect our kids from COVID. Critical race theory has also become a factor. CRT is not taught in our pre-K through 8th grade school system, but that hasn't mattered. In 2021, as CRT, which contends, among other things, that racism is embedded in legal systems and policy, became a stand-in for the conservative case against liberals, outrage over its spread to local school boards. I first heard about critical race theory in a candidate forum before Derry's school board elections last March. The candidates expressing outrage over CRT and masks didn't win seats on the board, but there's reason to believe they'll have better chances this year. For one thing, last July, 
conservatives and libertarians in New Hampshire passed so-called divisive concepts legislation, which makes it illegal statewide to teach uh, school children that one group is inherently superior or inferior or inherently racist or sexist. And she's against that? What, what, what is wrong with that? It's a, it's a law that says you can't teach people Racism. to be racist. Yes, that's correct. Well, uh, you know, I mean... I don't think that critical race theory is something I would teach my kids if I had kids, but her solution is actually fixed by school choice. She could, if, Where people can send their kids to the school that does teach whatever they want. Yeah, if public schools to, right. just decided they all are going to teach critical race theory, yeah. well, just give people more school choice. And you Well, know. that's one point that she doesn't, probably she's not aware of, but the legislation she's talking about does not affect private schools. Right. So it only mm. affects government school teachers. They're the ones who aren't allowed in New Hampshire to teach critical race theory, so-called, or anything that, again, in teaches one group is inherently superior or inferior to another. That's prohibited from government schools. So if you want your kids to learn about racism, you know, as far as you, you want them to become racists or whatever, find a school that'll teach that stuff. And that's not prohibited or, if you I want mean, to send them to a private school. This might be really out there, but you could also just teach it to them yourself. Indeed. But they don't know what critical race theory is. They just heard it on Fox News and they got upset about it because it sounds threatening. And then the Democrats, who also don't know what it is, rushed to defend it because it was making the Republicans unhappy. (laughs) Neither one of these sides have any idea what critical race theory is. I guarantee this this lady, that's not what comes up when you look at critical race theory, even its very own Wikipedia page. I know that because we did that here on the show. That, that isn't what it teaches. It would be great if that was what critical race theory teaches. Hmm. By the way, in uh, the next sentence, she actually brings up the group I mentioned earlier, Moms for Liberty. And she complains that the conservatives and libertarians are organized. So, again, this is a real endorsement for the libertarian movement here in New Hampshire. The fact that she's even mentioning the libertarians as opposition, as worthy of mention. Hey, is... but Gary Johnson got 2.4%. Okay. (laughs) He's not really a libertarian, though. More coming up. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Kicking off the third hour of the program here, you can join us. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We've been sharing a a really just pathetic article by a school board chairperson from the town of Derry, New Hampshire. Her name is 
I want to give her full credit. Erica Cohen. Erica with a K. Erica Cohen. And she is frightened because people have been showing up for once at her meetings because they didn't used to because no one really cares about school boards generally. Uh, But once the school board started shoving masks down kids' throats and all other ridiculous mandates... Uh, they the parents actually started to get it, take an interest in what the school board was doing, and they started showing up, and they started saying things on open mic, you know, the little mic time that they give you. I think they usually, in New Hampshire, they'll give you time at the beginning and the end. So even if you're late to the school board meeting, you miss, like, the initial open mic phase, you can still speak at the very end of the meeting. At least that's how they've been, uh, they did it here in, uh, in Keene, New Hampshire. And so people were saying things that this lady didn't like. Uh, they would say things like call her a Nazi and say that if they force the, quote, genocide jab, unquote, on the kids, that that would make them Nazis and that they should uh, they should hang. I like that name for it. I mean, there's there's no evidence or anything to back up that name for the COVID-19 vaccination. It's funny, though. And sure. maybe one I hope not, but maybe one day there will be evidence to call it the genocide jab. But. The, the guy clearly was using hyperbole in order yep. to make his point, and it's kind of the most terrifying part of all of this to me is that a school board director, school board chair, didn't have the the ability to reason and say, okay, this person's passionate, they're being hyperbolic, they don't actually mean any harm to me. No, instead they asked for police escort out to their car regularly now from the school board meeting. She wants to hide when she's in public. This lady she should just stay out of public and stop messing with other people's lives. Yeah, exactly. What an ivory tower this lady must live in. If this is what it takes to break her, is someone calling her a Nazi? And she's like, oh, I have to delete all of my social media now. Mm-hmm. I, I sh- found what she looks like online. I will never be able to handle this level of trauma. Democrats, man, and their ivory towers. I, mean, I don't know what yeah. else to say. Well, there's more that she has to say. We're in the uh, the final portion of this uh, lengthy screed about how frightened this woman is and how she wants to quit her job. And I think she should. And I think all control freaks uh, should quit their government jobs. And I hope they should all be made as uncomfortable as this woman, because that's what needs to happen. These jobs do not pay well, at least here in New Hampshire. And these people, including the state reps, will think twice about running f- running for office again. You know, once their term comes up, it's like, this ain't worth it. It isn't worth it. I mean, she's making maybe $2,000 a year as a school board member. The average state rep is pulling in 100 bucks a year plus a gas stipend. So a lot of these people, they're just going to say, you know what? I'm not a professional at this. This is not worth my uh, my time if people are going to hate me and I'm going to be belittled uh, when I go to the grocery store or whatever. And that's what needs to happen. Yeah, people need to Hampshire, belittle them. I can't imagine why anyone becomes a state rep. Except if they live outside of Concord, except because, you know, they're really interested and they want to change politics within the political system. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the ones that actually care about liberty because we do have a good, good crew of liberty loving people. We were actually just talking during the break. Uh, about the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance and some of the great work that they're doing here, their website, nhliberty.org. And they they will actually look at all the bills or as many of the hundreds of bills that there are as they can, and they'll rate them based on whether they're pro-freedom or not, and they give recommendations to the state reps. But we've got enough liberty reps that we can break any tie. There's literally 40-something free staters who are state representatives here in New Hampshire. That's a tenth of the legislature. So if there's a close vote, you want the free staters on your side or you're going to lose. Ooh, that's true. Right? And that and it has made a difference in a lot of cases for the better already. Anyway, 
Let me go on with what this lady says, because her next complaint is about how well organized we are. She says for another, the conservatives and libertarians are organized. Moms for Liberty NH fundraised an online CRT bounty to be awarded to anyone who reports a teacher who violates the new divisive concepts law. And again, for her listeners, being annoyed about people she disagrees with organizing just explodes the idea that democrats are all for democracy oh yeah they don't want you involved in the system like she said earlier she liked the meetings better when people didn't show up and they could just do it without an audience at all and was it the moms for liberty thing something like if you could get video of a parent of a teacher breaking the rules that's right yeah they'd pay you 500 bucks cash (laughs) yeah it wasn't just oh if you could I, i don't remember how she phrased it but it was it would have been very difficult for a teenager to do and a teacher would have had to have actually been breaking the law in order for it to happen. But the idea is that they might be breaking the law, and so if somebody can get proof of it, then there's a bounty, which is pretty cool. What, what issue does this rule of law Democratic lady have with this? It shines light on their activities. So she's okay with people breaking the law as long as no one well, else finds out about it? she's not say that. But she's mad that this exists, so you you can draw your own conclusions from that. She says some parents more closely scrutinize the goings-on in their children's virtual classrooms. Oh my god! Parents actually paid attention to what was happening in the virtual class because they were actually there to do it? The parents were nearby, so they listened in? Sounds like an improvement to me. And were surprised? She says each time school went remote and parents saw or heard something they didn't like, they came to school board meetings in greater numbers. Nice. So it turns out when parents actually pay attention to what goes on in school, they don't like it. In I'm s- not surprised to hear that at all. In because addition. Because pa- kids aren't telling their parents what they're no. learning at school. Like we talked about the ones in, I think, New York City who had to eat their lunch outside. Yeah, in it, 30 degree weather or Yeah, and it was like weather. December then, and the, the mm-hmm. parents had no idea this was even happening. Yeah, elementary school kids were doing that there. In addition, she says, the 603 Alliance, their tagline, quote, uniting conservatives for a better America, unquote, trains people to speak at meetings and run for their local school board. Nationally, the 1776 Project PAC explicitly endorses candidates who oppose critical race theory. Most school boards are officially nonpartisan, but the culture wars are changing that. School board election turnout in Derry averaged under 7% of eligible voters over the last decade. Such low numbers mean a strong turnout by one group can sway the vote. She says, I first ran for my local school board after a friend and I convinced the board... So she's concerned that more people participating in the democratic system is a threat to the democratic system? It's a threat to her power. It's a threat to this system to the, as it stands. Yeah, yeah, the way that the system's always gone. So if, if your rest- system requires only 7% of the population to be there to vote for it, maybe you should stop being so secretive and anti-accountability. She finally wraps up her uh, piece here. She says, I first ran for my local school board after a friend and I convinced the board to add another teacher to our son's grade because classes had as many as 27 students. I like the idea of improving education. Why am I still here withstanding so much hostility? Because the hostility isn't actually about education. And because we teach students to stand up for themselves respectfully and someone needs to stand up for them. So it's the parents who are against the students, according to her. Parents are standing up for the students who don't want to, you know, be forced to wear crap on their faces or learn about how their parents are racist and ruining society. 
But she believes she's the one standing up for the students and the parents are in the wrong. (laughs) She says, what I fear most is that community participation will become the domain of those who seek conflict or who hold an anti-mask, anti-vax viewpoint. For the conflict averse, going to a meeting in today's hostile climate is deeply uncomfortable and running for office is out of the question. And the next school board election in my town is in March. Good lady, don't run again. If it's, <laughs> then just don't do it. If it's making you so miserable, don't do it. I love this. I, I Again, I want to con- encourage more people who love freedom to move to New Hampshire. And if for whatever reason you love to torture yourself, go to these school board <laughs> meetings uh, and you know go in a group. Because if you're there alone, it's almost completely meaningless. But if you are there in a group, then you can actually have some kind of an influence. Not that you're going to change their minds. Like not by you your, might make them resign, right? Not by your logic will you change their minds, but if you make them uncomfortable enough with their jobs, they might just call it quits. This whole article was a advertisement for the way that the Free State Project is changing things here, and also all the little groups. Absolutely, and that she mentioned. You're absolutely right, Bonnie. This is making a difference to have people who believe of a like mindset working together in the same geographic area. That's absolutely why this is working. Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about that coming up here. And you can share your thoughts as well on Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. Yeah! It is Free Talk Live, and the phones are open here. If you want to join us, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. And Aria. We're talking about some of the interesting things happening here in New Hampshire. Largely, I will say, thanks to the libertarian migration of freedom-loving people who have been coming here. Uh, Bonnie, you're one of the newer movers. You moved last year, almost a year ago, actually. Yeah, just a couple days. Yep. And uh, Aria, three years, four almost? Three and a half at this point, yeah. yeah. Three and a half years for you. Oh, no more. Wait, three and a half's good enough. I've been here for 15, coming up on 16 years uh, later this year. So uh, it's been great being here with people who actually care about liberty. People who understand the non-aggression principle, people who might describe themselves as libertarians or voluntarists or liberty-loving anarchists, because having numbers is something we've never had. It's something that libertarians cannot imagine anywhere else. That was what I was getting at with my Gary Johnson joke. I didn't have time to elaborate Mm because we were going out to break. A really bad time to make a joke like that, but... The libertarians who are fixated on the presidential election and the national LP, I don't know how to reach them about how much time and energy they're wasting mm. when they could just come to New Hampshire and actually do stuff and see stuff change. I remember Gary Johnson came out with this video like only a week before the election or maybe like two weeks before the election when I had already decided I was going to vote for Trump. I don't know if you guys know that about me, but I was just like, I just can't let Hillary Clinton win. She's too bad. I was about to vote for Gary Johnson the whole time. I was telling everyone to vote for Gary Johnson. And then like two weeks before the election, I was like, I... I'm terrified of Hillary Clinton and I have to vote for Trump, or else, which doesn't even make any sense. If it makes you feel any better, our votes don't matter. Yeah, exactly. I was voting in Utah. It's not like they weren't going to vote for Trump. They were definitely going to vote for Trump. But anyways, um, I remember Gary Johnson came out with this video that was explaining to people it should have been targeted at people like me, but it didn't work on me. Um, if you're saying that you don't want to vote for me because I'm third party and I won't win, 
I I can't re- really. I mean, remember, it's a self fulfilling but... prophecy, sure. You know, if people won't vote for Gary Johnson because they're convinced a third party candidate won't win, then nobody votes for Gary Johnson, and a third party candidate never wins. That Correct. said, dude, there there are so many better ways. Take the whole, not even the whole National Libertarian Party membership. Just take ten percent of them, mm-hmm. plop them in New Hampshire. And you'll see the you'll see freedom actually happen in your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't. I'm with you on this, Arya. It is hard to convince people who are libertarians in other places of the concentration strategy. I don't know why. Like to me, it seems so obvious. When I first heard of the Free State Project, I'm like, wow, what a great idea! I've got to do this. You know, the only thing I was concerned with was it was cold here. And so it took me a few months to really think about it. And I thought, you know what, if there's actually going to be freedom lovers moving together, liberty activists moving together, then I'll deal with the cold. I think it took me a while to be convinced. But last year in sometime in 2021, uh, Jeremy Kaufman was talking about how it doesn't matter. He's a member of the Free State Project. Yes. He was saying it doesn't really matter how good your ideas are. People are not going to change your mi- their mind because what you're saying makes the most sense. They're just get- oh, most people are just going to believe what they believe no matter what. It's usually an emotional decision, things like that. Judd Weiss said the same thing when he was running as uh, John McAfee's uh, vice presidential candidate in 2016. He, he basically, libertarians are great engineers. We're great at presenting extremely complex situations mm-hmm. and extremely complex answers for them. What we lack are salespeople. We, we don't have people who can... The average person doesn't want to hear the intricacies of how roads can still be built and how private charities can handle things that the government does. Now, they, that those reasonable arguments are just never going to reach them for some reason because they're driven by emotions. Well, I actually know Judd Weiss. I've met him on occasion out at various different liberty conventions back when we used to travel more with, uh, with Free Talk Live prior to COVID. And... I remember asking him, I don't know if it was in Arcapulco or wherever it was that I, I saw him, like, hey, why don't you move to New Hampshire? His girlfriend is originally from New Hampshire. Yeah, she moved away. Yeah. I said, well, why don't you move to New Hampshire? You know, look at all the things we've got going on here. And he just doesn't want to leave Los Angeles. He's got like a nice house and he's got friends there and he likes the, his friends in his nice house. And that was his reason for staying. But you can have friends in a nice house here, too. Yeah. Well, and I, a little bit more freedom than you have there freedom. in Los Angeles. A lot more freedom you would have in New Hampshire. So I just think that people like people who don't want to leave Los Angeles, they really think that one day people are going to wake up and get it, that they were right the whole time. Never going to happen. I think Judd Weiss is smart enough to know that's never going to happen. Well, yeah. I don't know who that is, but I just mean like the average libertarian li- living in a city somewhere. But that's just the thing. Like some people have priorities and for some of them it's living in a city. Sure. You know? And and I don't know how those people can possibly still have that priority after COVID given how insane things have gotten in cities, but yet they still do. Yeah, my bosses were just asking me today like to explain how I ended up meeting you and how I ended up up here after living in San Antonio mm-hmm. and I told them that when 2020 happened I realized the only reason I wanted to live in a city was taken away from me when all like this to crap go out started. and do things. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm motivated by peace and freedom. If right. I can have those two things, that, that's all I need. The rest is incidental. We we could solve my need to play the guitar to have friends or whatever. Right. But if there's peace and there's liberty, then there's opportunity for me to do all of the things that I love doing, like having a big house or whatever. 
Yeah. For those people that actually have a priority for liberty, those are the ones that need to make the move. If your priority is your career and or taking care of some family member or whatever, then you're going to have to stay where you are. And I wish, you know, I wish you the best. It's going to suck because uh, the tyranny is just going to get worse and worse while the freedom is going to get better and better here in New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, that's just the inevitable factor of, of gathering people together in the same place. We've seen it happen so many times in history where, you know, look at Utah. You brought up Utah, uh, Bonnie, and the Mormons moved there. And there's no doubt about it that the Mormons had a huge impact on that place. The uh, state of Vermont used to be a very red state prior to the 1970s when the hippies had a very deliberate movement to migrate into Vermont. And now it is one of the more left-leaning socialist places. I didn't know that. I I just assumed the hippies thing was always just sort of a a stereotype. No, that's relatively recent uh, to Vermont. The Mormons, they chose Utah because they said nobody else would want to be there because it was cold and... Kind that's of desolate. Right. More or less why the Free State Project chose New Hampshire. That's well, what I'm saying. Like, That's not why the Free State Project chose New Hampshire. New Hampshire was chosen because it was one of 10 different states, all of which had less than 1.5 million population, excluding Rhode Island and Hawaii, uh, because those are no, notably like notoriously corrupt places. That's why Jason Sorens, the founder of uh, the Free State Project, left those off the list. And thank goodness Hawaii didn't, you know, didn't win. It's truly... People would have voted for it just because it's Hawaii. It's yeah, so most of the states were colder, like the most southern state of the the different states in the Free State Project running, the 10 states, was Delaware. So that was as south as, as it got, because the more so, south you go, the more the population tends to be uh, in states. Mm. So it was really just because it was low population and there was 101 reasons uh, to move to New Hampshire. I, I'm not amazing... saying that was the only reason. I'm just saying that it, it is a good, it, it's actually kind of a good thing for people who are choosing a place to go and change the culture, be in yes. a place where no, not nobody else, but not a huge amount of people already want to be. No, you're absolutely right about that, Bonnie. There's a natural filter of the fact that it's cold here. It keeps away the average person it keeps away sunshine so-called activists people who don't want to do anything except if it's a warm uh, place so coming up one of those free staters one of those liberty reps our very own matthew santanastasso who is we say our very own because he's lives around here he's the nightcap he's the nightcap state state rep yeah he came out and partied with us on multiple occasions uh when we were doing the nightcaps last year in uh, well actually 2020 And he's got a bill to declare independence, and it's making headlines. We'll tell you about it coming up. Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We've been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business and organization launch their own currency or raise money using their own token and now intercoin has launched its investor token worldwide and for the first time it's available on an exchange you can get an account over at xmarkets.com that's exmarkets.com just using an email address they don't require know your customers you can keep your privacy intact and then deposit dozens of different cryptos, including Bitcoin. Trade them for Tether on the exchange, and then use your Tether to buy ITR, which is the Intercoin investor token. You can learn more about the Intercoin vision at intercoin.org. Buy or sell ITR on xmarkets.com. exmarkets.com. You just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. As we continue here, let's go to the phones. To the fun talk is on the line in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Talk. Hey, guys. Making a lot of sense tonight. Go ahead, Tom. Thank you. What's on your mind? Yes. Uh, I had a hypothetical come up. Uh, 
So uh, what's the population of Keene? Uh, around, uh, depending on whether the college is in session, because there's a small state college here, uh, probably between eighteen and 23,000. Oh, that's that's perfect. That's a that's a perfect. I, I thought it might work. Okay, so so uh, say four or five hundred homeless people are running around the place, and y'all are y'all are successful here in the next years of separating from the United States. Of course, that may be immaterial. But I want to make sure they, I heard you correctly. Four or five hundred homeless people running running around Keene, New Hampshire. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's. They don't have like numbers on, on their on their. I don't think there's four or five hundred. There's nowhere near four or five hundred. No, no. There's like no, no, four no, no, or no, five. No, no. no, there's more no. than that. There's enough no, for a, there's no, there's enough homeless people here for a full um, government shelter. shelter and a full privately run shelter. So I bet you no, there's no. a couple hundred. This friend of mine, this friend of mine was asking. He goes, "You're so smart. Tell me about the what you do about the homeless." And I said, "I, I got some people I'll ask." And I, he said, a hypothetical would be a small town, doesn't matter where. Let's pick Keene because it's, that's right on the number that he was thinking of, you know, kind of a small town. And then you got a bunch of people, I don't know how many, no one knows how many. You got a bunch of homeless running around, and, uh, you know, they're. they're uh, homeless people. Addicted to ethanol or ethyl alcohol, or they're addicted to something, or they're you know there's there's problems, you know there's serious issues. Yep. So they're running around town. What do you what do you guys do about it? Well, um, so you're talking about when New Hampshire leaves the United States. I don't think that matters. Yeah, I was going to say that wouldn't have any effect whatsoever on how cities uh, deal with homeless yeah. people. So the way uh, it works now is there's a government run shelter. And there's a privately run shelter. The privately run shelter is called Hundred Nights. I have supported it directly uh, via donation on a monthly basis for I don't know how many years now, quite a few. And uh, the Shire Free Church, which is the church that runs this show, has been a donor as well. We've uh, we've sponsored some of their events in the past. Like they they have this annual uh, dance kind of shindig that they throw for a, a large fundraiser we're usually we were the sponsors of that until the fbi raided our studios a few years back but i'm talking about their freedom and their rights their freedom if they don't want to go to a shelter if they don't want to even talk to you if they don't want to if they if they want freedom if, if there weren't they government goons getting in people's way then people would be able to voluntarily let them stay on their land like behind market basket or whatever that's it was. a good point bonnie there was a story cool. years ago here in Keene, i don't know 10 years ago now where behind one of the grocery stores actually the hannaford oh. uh plaza there's a kind of a wooded there's a wooded area behind there and there were homeless people that had built like a lean-to some sort of a shelter in the forest and they were living back there uh and with the property owner's permission mind you the owner of the property says yeah i don't care you know, go ahead it's fine uh but the government gang cared they said oh this isn't a code you need to have a building permit blah 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 and they came in there and they forced them to tear their shelter down oh. and forced them basically to disperse uh from the area when they weren't bothering anyone they were out of the people's way and they were just living in the in the forest basically so yeah if you get the government out of it then you would have less homeless like running around and more homeless living somewhere where they're welcome uh, so that would be one thing. But if you're asking the question, talk of what would it be like if the libertarians were running things? Is that what your question is? Well, yeah, I, I, I did have a, a thought that, that, that we would go there because because the the laws uh, there would there may may or not be laws 
concerning them as far as, as far as uh, some of the ones that might be more and more trouble and actually uh, dangerous or something, and there might be some way of actually uh, passing a law that says, hey, we're going to arrest you if you keep uh, it up. And it's keep like what up? Or uh, excrement on the sidewalk or different I mean, that's like gross, that. but that's not... <laughs> dangerous to anyone oh you might slip and fall i guess but the, uh, the snow is a bigger threat than the, I think it, the excrement of homeless people yeah this is in san francisco yeah i was gonna I, say i think it just isn't a problem here it might end up being a like a water supply problem in some places the but the worst you're gonna here. see in Keene, new hampshire from allegedly homeless people and not even necessarily homeless people is maybe a needle you might run across like you know an injecting kind of needle somewhere that some junkie uh, didn't throw in a garbage can and just left on the side of the road. I've never seen a pile of dung uh, that wasn't from like a horse or something, right? Like that. I've never seen homeless dung on the streets. How could That's- a horse? pile of dung here. I've never seen a horse here. I've never seen that in Keene, but I have oh. seen it in uh, in Concord. There was one time when Vermin Supreme did a, did a pony, <laughs> pony march on Concord, and our friend Jay Noon provided, uh, and his brothers provided the ponies. He's earned his tape ass, and he started throwing rocks through the window to get that girl to like it. Well, that's a crime if yes. you break. Uh, I don't know. I don't think if these you are exclusive this. to homeless people. Yeah, talk. I don't know if you realize this, but homeless people aren't you know any more or less likely, to my knowledge, to actually commit crimes like you're talking about. No, I, just, I just had a couple of people staying in my my house. You know, just didn't know them. Guy was that had been attacked, and uh, mm-hmm. he slept in there. Yeah, his girlfriend April was with him, and I let him stay in the house. I I slept fine. <laughs> okay. Well, that's very kind of you. Did they steal anything from you or break your windows? <laughs> no, they didn't. They were they were they were uh, down on their luck. And uh, talk, course- you have repeatedly characterized homeless people as having mental health issues, being Some dangerous, being a threat. She just got out of a mental hospital. I will okay? say this: that it is so more likely that-, that a homeless person sure. is going to have a mental health issue. I'll I'll say that. Uh, whether I'll that tell you something interesting, they diagnosed her with schizophrenia and uh, post traumatic stress disorder, and she had neither. Hmm. Well, it's certainly not uncommon for uh, the medical establishment to overdiagnose mental uh, problems so they can prescribe uh, their buddies in the pharmaceutical industry to them. You're smart. Thank Talk, you. Thanks for the call tonight. I, I appreciate it. Uh, but no, I don't buy the idea that homeless people are, you know, worse people or more likely to be criminal element or or anything. I think that any crimes that are committed by the homeless are probably just sort of endemic to being homeless. The fact that they need to sleep somewhere and sometimes they'll sleep places where they're not authorized or, you know. They- but this is the part where law kind of breaks down. I mean, OK, uh, I wouldn't be happy about it to wake up and see it, some homeless person had thrown up a tent in my backyard. But that would be primarily because it's going to make me sad to think that this person is just out there and constantly reminding me about it. It's not going to be because, dude, how dare you break the law and trespass on my property? At some point, you know, the whole goal of being a human is to be compassionate toward one another and the law doesn't provide that right i think that uh what you would see in a truly libertarian society which we do not have but in a libertarian society there would be no public property at least in theory there would be all privately owned property so every park every sidewalk every road would have someone who is accountable for it now it's the government gang if they're the ones that own the sidewalks and the roads and most of the parks So this would change that, and it would allow a private owner to set policy. So if that private owner wants to allow homeless people to sleep on the sidewalk, then 
they would be allowed to sleep on the sidewalk. Now, I suspect that most business owners who would be renting the properties that are adjacent to that sidewalk probably wouldn't welcome homeless people sleeping out front. It tends to keep away business when there's some, you know, drunkard who's, you know, sprawled out in front of a uh, establishment. So there would likely be rules against that and I those just people tend would be to prohibited. Think, I tend to think that with less rules prohibiting people from, you know, selling sandwiches out of their own houses or whatever to make money, I tend to think that without all these laws, there would be a lot less homeless people. I that's, think you're right about that's that. That's where I always go with conversations like this. That's a great point. There's more coming up here at 603-283-6160. More freedom means less homelessness in general. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Phones are open. If you want to join us in the remaining moments, you better get on now. Because now is when everybody's decided to call in. <laughs> After Just waiting to be how it goes. all night long, they're here. Uh, with you tonight, by the way, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Arya. And don't forget, of course, you can join us online. Just get on over to freetalklive.com and you'll find archives of the show. We've got uh, RSS feeds for those of you that want to subscribe to our podcast. You can go to feeds.freetalklive.com and you'll find a list of options there for you. That's feeds.freetalklive.com. Or if you just want to click and download and listen, you just look on the front page. You'll find the podcast uh, widget is there for you. So, once again, freetalklive.com. We're going to go back to your calls and thoughts. And if we get the chance, we'll talk a little bit about independence because this is a big week for the New Hampshire exit movement. Uh, It's the first time that we're going to have the chance to show up in front of state representatives, some of whom are not very friendly to the ideas of independence. We've got some choice quotes uh, to share with you if we get the chance. But first up, Jack is on the line in Washington State. Go ahead, Jack. Oh. The fact that a private homeowner can't house homeless people on their property with the homeless problem that we have, if we had more people like them, almost like foster land, mm-hmm. so to speak, we would have less of a problem. The taxes he pays on the property, and he can't have, he can't take care of people and give them somewhere to live. With the problem we have is just obnoxious to me. Yep. But we have code enforcement to keep us safe. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, letting people set up lean-tos and tent systems like that, I don't know if I would consider that, you know, solving the homeless problem. I, I don't know whether well, or not I could consider one of those things, especially somewhere like New Hampshire, to be a home. Well, they did. That's true. One person, one person at a time, one family, one pot of land at a time. You know, you give people property and, you know, they, they'll move on, they'll grow, they have a home. Well, yeah, there's know. different types of homeless, right? So, like, there's the type of homeless that's in it by circumstance. They lost their job, they were one bill behind, and they couldn't pay their rent anymore, and before they knew it, they were out on the streets, and they want to get back into a house. Then there's the kind of person who chooses to be homeless. There are these people who are like, you know what? I'm walking away from society. I don't need an apartment. I don't need a house. All I need is myself and my tent and my dog or whatever, right? Like they've I chosen- know a person like yeah, that. They have, those people exist, too. So, like, there's the whole range. There's also the the junkie who's homeless because they're a total loser and they can't get their S straight and they're high all the time and they, you know, steal from everyone that they encounter. And so, like, there's the whole range of uh, people who are who are homeless. And so let's let the market decide how to handle this situation. One guy with some property says, hey, 
Those of you that want to be homeless, here's a place. You can be homeless on my land. Come on over. Set up your lean-tos. Pop your tents up. Have a, have at it. There's a creek going through it. Whatever. You know, good, good, have a good time. Um, and then there's uh, the private homeless shelter that says, hey, you need some help? Come on in. We're open the 100 coldest nights of the year. They're not open year-round like the, the government shelters. Uh, and in the private homeless shelter here in Keene, it's called 100 Nights, they, they uh, what they do is... No. You don't have a like a registered bed. When you come in there for the night, you get whatever bed is up. You don't get to go and say, hey, that's my bed. I was there last night. No, 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 no. You take whatever beds are available and you don't get to say, you know, you get some sort of claim on the bed. Whereas in the government homeless shelter, everybody's got their assigned space. They can be there at any time, day or night. And it's like they have this little spot and, and it's, you know, it's, it, it creates a place for them. Whereas the, the one that's privately run is trying to encourage them. Hey, you don't want to stay here. This isn't a place that you want to be permanently. And they offer them services. They offer them, uh, you know, like job finding services. They will help you with a resume. You can use the printer, use the computer, you know, print something up, apply for jobs. There's classes and things like that to, to, to help people who want to get back on their feet and want to get back into a home to help them do that. So let's have all this different sorts of approaches. Jack, anything else you want to share? Do Seems to be gone. I think he's gone. Thanks he said something about a mic earlier, and mm-hmm. then there was nothing else from him, so I don't know what Rich, was going on with him. Richard is on the line in uh, New Mexico. Go ahead, Richard. Uh-oh. Maybe it's our lines. Richard, are you there? Oh, yes, there I am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, it, it is being proposed when the New Mexico legislation 30-day session opens tomorrow that election days here in New Mexico be made a state holiday. Oh, and, uh, and I do not know if any other state has this policy hmm. or if New Mexico is going to lead the country in something positive this time instead of usually being uh, uh, on the top of most negative things in the United States like education i hate federal holidays or or government holidays it's just an excuse for the goons to keep you in jail another day a quick search here on the internet uh reveals according to the wikipedia art wikipedia article uh richard there are several states actually where it is a public holiday on the election day that is delaware hawaii illinois kentucky louisiana montana new jersey new york virginia west virginia and the northern mariana islands in puerto rico how does that work anyway because the goons obviously have to work for it to be election day but it's also a holiday so is it a holiday for everyone except the goons because that's kind of funny well no it's if it's a public holiday it would be a day off for all the government workers except for the people working in the election department it gets the the white collar bankers out there so that they're free to go and vote, right? Mm-hmm. And all the government workers are free to go and yes. vote. And of course, they're going to vote anyway because the their budgets depend on it. But it doesn't do anything for your Walmart employee. Nope, mm-hmm. absolutely not, uh, Richard. I, I mean, what do you think, Richard? Should this be a holiday? Well, I think we have enough holidays in Agreed. this country now, and we seem to every once in a while, every few years come up with some other day to make a holiday and it's outrageous because I used to work in corrections and law enforcement Hmm. and a lot of times on the holidays I had to work. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I uh, don't think we need more holidays. I think if you want to go and vote, you can generally vote. I think most employers will let you do it. And if not, there's usually voting hours is like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So unless there's you're early working- voting too. In a lot of states, there are early voting options. That's another good point. You can also do uh, absentee ballots. So if you, you know, if you work a twelve-hour shift at a hospital and you can't get to the uh, the the polling location, most people don't work twelve-hour shifts. Most people probably have an eight or nine-hour day, so they could probably go before or after work. Uh, but if for whatever reason your working day obliterates your opportunity to vote, then just get an absentee ballot. I mean, if you really want to vote, you can. Uh, so the idea that it would be a holiday would just be an excuse for more people to just not work and not vote in that particular case. Uh, thanks, Richard, for the call. Let's bring Sarah on the line. She knows a thing or two about being homeless. Go ahead, Sarah. Um, I just want to say, you know, Russians could care less about the sanctions because don't they have uh, billions of dollars saved in reserve? Um, that's what they're saying. So- yeah, Russia's a very big country, and they don't need to trade with uh, the United States, as far as sanctions is concerned, I didn't know. Are they being sanctioned, or is that a threat that's being levied against them? Well, it's a, it's a threat. It's a threat mm-hmm. that they, that they're, but they're not afraid because they can still trade with North Korea. Yeah, they can Vietnam, trade with the rest of the country China. or the rest of the world, rather. North Korea has well, nothing con- to trade to. That's them. true. Yeah, <laughs> North Korea but is other communist poor. countries. Is, China, is Russia like, considered communist? No, they're not. Uh, Sarah wants so. to believe that they're secretly communist. Is what she said well, when she's I, called I, before. I I believe that they are communists because they they if they of the NATO um, the Ukraine joins NATO they're going to invade. So what's that? What does that mean? That just they're makes anti- them tyrants. How does that make them communist? <laughs> well, they they are communists because you just don't want to believe it. They you no, know, I, no. But you I have to have evidence. As I understand it, the Soviet Union collapsed and so did, did communism, and now they they don't have capitalism just like the United States does, but they have. A system very a mixed similar economy. to the United States economic system. Yeah. Crony capitalism. Uh, but Sarah, if you're going to make a statement that they are a thing, you have to have evidence for it, not just a conspiracy. Well, uh, the thing about it is that, well, why, why are they? I mean, obviously, they're, but they are communist. Why is that uh, obvious? They're pretending to be capitalist. Why okay. are they uh, What's your going proof? to invade the Western world? You know what I mean? What, what's, what's the point of I don't know if I would call that? Ukraine the Western world. But the whole world, Western world. So I mean, it's there's something the inherent in communism that makes them want to invade Ukraine? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, because well, they, it, used to be, it used to be communist all the way to the Eastern Europe. Well, she's mean, saying... Eastern, Eastern Germany. She's saying that because Ukraine is going to join NATO, that is the reason that Russia is going to invade Ukraine, and that shows that Russia is secret communist. But NATO's not that, you know... I don't think. But to me, it's it's a, it's an obvious communist. I wish we had more time. I wish. <laughs> I do too. I wish. Call us tomorrow, Sarah, and you're going to have to come up. Well, of course she's going to call tomorrow, but you're going to have to come up with some evidence. Like, what is the evidence that the Russians are communists? I'm sure there are still some communists in Russia, but as far as their government and the structure of everything over there, I don't know if I'm buying that one. More coming up tomorrow. See you then.